So uh, when I man, when I think of it, it it is just crazy that I get to even stand here and and share from God's word. Because those of you who've heard my story would agree with this. Yeah, if you don't know my story, I I was born and raised in a small village, a small town in southern India, and I was I was raised with a very minimal Christian influence, and so I was I was raised in a very sheltered environment. And I, my greatest dream, my greatest ambition, was to get to a city, get far away from my small town to a city, and and that happened when I got an opportunity to pursue college. And so now I was so I was so enamored by the by the glamour of the city that I had this proverbial story that that I got I got really distracted and one decision led to another and and soon enough I I gave myself to a a lifestyle of addiction of active drug addiction and at that point of time my my whole my entire life revolved around where I could get my next fix or where I could find my next high and it is a it is a it is a really dark dark time of my life and uh, and i and i i i remember that i i needed a cocktail of drugs to even start my day and 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 face my day and so during a a dark season like this uh through what i can describe as at that time as a bizarre series of events i met my friend george so my friend george was my senior in college and and george was uh george was a regular guy and he he loved jesus and he took god's word took the bible seriously and he uh, at a, at a point of time when i was not interested to have a conversation about god or jesus or any of that george decided to sit me down and share the gospel with me anyway and so george shared the gospel with me and for the first time ever in my life i i heard from george that god was not waiting to strike me down that god was not mad at me that god is actually god has actually offered me forgiveness for my crazy addictions and 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 a slew of other things in my life and 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 god is god is actually uh, receiving me into his family and he's offering me grace and love and peace through his son jesus christ and this blew my mind it is one of those moments when the holy spirit uses a, a regular conversation to to awaken our affections and my affection for jesus was awakened and 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 in my case in that particular time something crazy happened in that particular moment in it almost immediately jesus took away my my desire to do drugs and replaced that with the desire for Je- desire for jesus now i know that all, not that that jesus deals with all of us differently and all of our our struggles are different but that's what happened in that moment for me and so so i i i had this profound encounter with jesus and so soon soon after that i i hopped on a plane and i came to the united states and uh, and i i came here so i i met jesus and soon after that i met the american dream and so i uh, i i i came here and like most uh, immigrant families i i came here uh, to pursue a, a better life a, a more comfortable life and better opportunities here uh in the land of opportunities and so i came here and uh, uh got my i'm my i got married to my wife uh we had an arranged marriage that's a that's a completely different sermon it's coming you know another day for another time so uh we uh we had a uh, uh, so so coming here a few years after being here my wife and i started feeling the stirring to be a part of a church planting movement a part of a church planting team and i had no idea what church planting meant at that time and then about 2 years ago um i i really felt jesus calling us back to india 
Now, for the longest time, I did not share this with anyone. I was scared to engage this thought because I was not ready to give up my small comforts that I have here. And the thought of actually taking my family of five and, and, and moving to India in, you know, in my 40s was absolutely terrifying. And so I did not engage the thought for a, for a long time. And then, and then there was a... Those are, I mean, as, as the Lord started drawing, as Jesus started drawing my heart, it, it became increasingly difficult to ignore that call. And it became increasingly difficult not to look at the, the vastness and, uh, and greatness of God's heart for the nations. So with, uh, with much uh, excitement and much anxiety, my wife and I started praying about this. And uh, many of you know this, last month, uh, uh, Josh and I and a, a few friends, uh, we decided to take our first vision trip to India, and we went to India, and the purpose of the trip was that we would uh, seek God's direction on where He's calling us to uh, plant a church. And so we felt like God is calling us to plant a church in Mumbai, and I just want to pause here and say thank you so much for, for standing with us. Many of you prayed with us, many of you emailed and texted. Thank you so much for all of your encouragement and support. The first night that uh, we were in Mumbai, I, I could not sleep. I, I, I was tossing and turning, and early morning I woke up and I was just weeping. I, I, experienced, the, the, I experienced what I can only describe as perhaps God's, Jesus' heart, a, a small, a minuscule, a minuscule taste of Jesus' heart for the city of Mumbai. I could not wait for daybreak. I remember I was a. Uh, I just could not stop weeping, and I, I, I got out of the out of my room and went down to the breakfast area, and I was eating. I was eating Indian breakfast, you know, with tears streaming down my eyes. And my, my the guy, the my, my waiter who was helping me was so confused. He didn't know what to what to do, you know. So he just kept pouring coffee, you know. I'm like, I'm okay. I promise you, I'm okay, you know. So, uh, we, it was just a it was just a heavy moment. And as soon as the day broke, I, I walked in the I walked through the city of the streets of Mumbai, and 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 it was beautiful because the city was coming awake. It was early in the morning, and I could hear the the activities of the city. I could hear uh, you know people running behind buses, all kinds of languages being spoken. I could see mothers you know uh, taking the children to the school st- bus stops, and and so the city was coming alive. And as I started seeing this, as I started uh, uh, breathing in the life of that city, I, my heart was just gripped by 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 just a desire to see more people experience the love of Jesus Christ in the city of Mumbai. The city of Mumbai is a is, is a beautiful city, and 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 one of the most overwhelming and the uh, most fascinating thing about the city is that it is a small city with a population of twenty three point five million people. Twenty three point five million people made in the glorious image of God. 23.5 million people that represents all different people group in India. If you don't know about India, India has got 22 official languages with script and 720 dialects. It gets a little crazy in there. So, so it is so beautiful that almost all the language, all the official languages are represented in this one city. And so we were, and, and, and there's, uh, there's, I think there's uh, about 1.5 to 2% uh, evangelical Christians in Mumbai. And it is, it, we, our hearts were so encouraged to hear all the things that Jesus is doing in the city. I heard, I heard stories ranging from Bible studies happening in the largest brothels in Asia, discipleship happening in the largest brothels in Asia, to, to discipleship movement happening in, in, uh, in and among working professionals in Mumbai. And so God in His grace, He, he allowed us to connect with uh, uh, two or three families that have been continually praying for more gospel movement to happen in India. 
So I just want to, I want to request you guys to uh, remember us in your prayer as we get ready to, and as we start to think about what it means to move to India in the next two years, you know, please be praying for me and my family. Now, while I say this, I also want to acknowledge that not everybody's story is the same. Not everybody sitting in this room is called to plant a church or move your family overseas. But all of, us has, all of us have certain similarities in our calling and in our, in our story. And today, our, for our time together, I want to point our attention to one commonality that is in all of our stories. That is, all, 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 all Christ followers in the room, there's one commonality that is in our story. The, the, the commonality is that all of us have been called to get a vision for God's heart for the nations. All of us sitting in this room have been called to participate in God's mission for the nation. Now, what do I mean by God's heart for the nation? How do we even start engaging God's heart for the nation? I want to invite your attention to a portion of scripture in Genesis. And, and this is a portion of scripture where you see God, God conversing, God calling a, a, a pagan, anxious pagan man called Abraham. And God giving him this great promise that that. Through Abraham, the nations of the earth will be blessed. And I want, I want us to look at that portion of the scripture in Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 12. So if you have your Bibles, grab your Bibles and turn with me to Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 through 12. And follow along with me as I read this. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and this man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars, if you are able to number them. Then he said to them, So shall your offsprings be. Offspring be, and he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, "I'm the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess." But Abraham said, "O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it?" And God says, says to Abraham, "Bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon." And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. Verse 12, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram, and behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Verse 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Let me, let me start by saying that our hope in engaging God's heart for the nations is deeply anchored in God himself. Let me say that again. Our hope in engaging God's heart for the nation is deeply anchored in God himself. Because God is so committed to the promise that he gives Abraham. He's so committed to the promise that he will bless the nations that he has given himself entirely into this promise. And we see that throughout the storyline of scripture. We see God the Father giving this promise to bless the nation. And then we see God the Son, Jesus Christ, fulfilling this promise. And we see God the Holy Spirit empowering the church to engage this promise, engage the heart of God for the nations. So God is completely given to this mission. And we see that right from the beginning, right from the first chapter of Genesis. 
Right in the first chapter of Genesis, we see that God creates our first parents, the first man, Adam and Eve, in his image. God gives them worth, value, and dignity as image bearers. And God gives them a, a particular mandate. God gives them a commission, which is to, to multiply and spread over all the earth. Adam and Eve have been called to, Adam and Eve have been called to, to, to reproduce or multiply the, the fruit of their relationship with God. They're called as kind of emissaries or they're called as, as, a, as a representatives of God to represent the equity and justice and goodness of God and, and spread that all across the earth. And by the time we reach Genesis 2, we see that Adam and Eve rebels against God in, a, in willful disobedience and sin enters, sin becomes a reality in God's created world. And from Genesis chapter 2 to, uh, to Genesis chapter 12, we see that we continually see man rebelling against God's purposes and sin leading man away from God's mission. And, 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 and man keeps rebelling against God's purpose and God keeps orchestrating events and keeps moving his vision, his mission and his purpose forward. And then by the time we read Genesis 12, we see God calling Abraham. And God gives him this, this amazing promise that he will bless the nations through his descendant. And Abraham, Abraham, I don't think Abraham completely understood the magnitude of what God is saying in that moment. But Abraham knew this much that the minimum requirement for this promise to come to pass is that Abraham and his wife Sarah have to have kids. And the problem is that Abraham and his wife Sarah was way beyond the age of being able to rear a child. And so the, the context of the verse that we just read Verses two through, uh, Genesis 15, verses 2 through 5, is God and Abraham having this conversation. They're going back and forth. Abraham has this, this moments of, moment of great faith, and then he comes back and reminds God, God, this is a great idea, this is a great promise, but I'm not the guy. Like, this is not a, this is not, you are not, I mean, this, the, uh, Abraham gives God all the reasons why Abraham is not the guy. God, uh, Abraham reminds God that time and the loss of nature is working against him. And Abraham reminds God that, 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 that there is no way that he can have a child. And so every time Abraham gives a, a, a reasons why this, is, this promise cannot come to pass, God gently, lovingly engages, that, engages his anxiety and fear. And God keeps bringing Abraham back from himself to God. And I want to pause here and say that this is, this is a, the father of the faith. Abraham, those of you who've gone, you know, who've been raised in church, you know, the old song, Father Abraham had many sons. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about. God bless you guys. You know, it is, uh, some of us are trying to forget the, that, that tune stuck in our head. So the uh, God, you know, God, Abraham is called the father of faith and even Abraham is wrestling with doubt and wrestling with anxiety and wrestling with fear. And God does not reject Abraham. God does, not, God does not dismiss his anxiety, but as a loving father would, he engages Abraham's doubt and Abraham's anxiety. And then at, at one point of time, it is so beautiful, God plainly starts to speak to Abraham. At one point of time, uh, God calls Abraham and, and asks him to look at the starry sky. I don't know if you've uh, gone outside and looked at a starry night sky. It is so beautiful. There's something about just gazing at a starry night sky. You feel the closeness of God. And so it, it, God asks Abraham if he can count the stars. Of course, he can count the stars. He can count the number of the stars, and God knows that. So God is gently reminding Abraham of his limitation and God's strength and God's power to bring the promise to pass. And then we see God speaking to Abraham in a, in a very plain way where he understands. God tells him to prepare for this elaborate ritual. 
God, God, God asked him to bring some animals and sacrifice the animals and lay the carcass against each other. What's going on here is that in, during that time in the ancient East, during that time in the land that Abraham lived, the way when, when people made an agreement, when people got into an agreement or when there was a promise made between two people, the way they sealed the promise back in the day because they don't have any, any promissory notes or legal contracts, the way they sealed the promise was uh, they had a ritual. The ritual was usually a promise is made between a, a, a higher party and a lower party, meaning a master and a servant. And, and, and the way they would seal the promise is that they would bring these animals, cut these animals, uh, in, uh, in the, the, cut the carcass of the animal and lay it against each other. And the, the servant, the lower party of the pro, uh, in that contract would actually walk in between the carcass of these animals. And what the, the person is declaring by doing so is that the person is saying that as they walk through the, 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 the carcass uh, of uh, the work, walk in between the carcass of the animals, the person is declaring that if I don't keep my end of the promise, let me be torn apart like these animal carcasses right here. Now God knows that Abraham does not have what it takes to bring this weighty promise to pass. And God is so committed to blessing the nations that he is not going to, he's not going to take the chance of uh, uh, giving that up to Abraham to come bring it to pass. And so God puts Abraham to sleep and, and the rest of, this, rest of this portion somehow, I don't even know how it is possible, but somehow Abraham sees it in a vision and it is recorded in scripture. We see that God, God puts Abraham to sleep and then God allows his own presence to pass in between the carcasses of the animals. In a, in a flaming uh, torch and a fire pot, God allows his presence to pass through the carcass of the animal. This is for us, you know, to hear this, you know, it may not, it may not face us, but this is unthinkable to the ancient world. Because what God is doing there is God is saying that if I don't bring this promise to pass, if I don't bring the promise to bless the nations of the world through you to pass, may me, the God of the universe, may, may I be torn apart like the carcasses of these animals right here. It's a weighty promise that God makes to Abraham. And what is interesting is that 2,000 years later, this promise comes to pass. And God keeps his promise because the Son of God, in a, in a, in a, the dreadful darkness falls on Golgotha. And, 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 and the Son of God, Jesus Christ, is torn apart on the cross. His flesh is torn apart on the cross as he becomes the, 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 the punishment for our sins. For you and I, for the nations to be reconciled back to God, for the blessing of knowing and resting in God to be open to, uh, to, to, to the nations, Jesus Christ, his body is torn on the cross. And he takes our place, he takes the place of our sins, and he opens the blessing of God to the nations. Jew and non-Jew have been reconciled by the torn body and shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, whether we acknowledge this or not, even as we are sitting here tonight, even as we are sitting in this 100-year-old cathedral-style building, listening to God's word being preached tonight, we are standing on the shoulders of this promise being fulfilled. Every gospel-preaching church has been folded into this promise. Think about this. Jesus fulfills this promise but through his life, death, and resurrection. And then from Jerusalem, from the Middle East, the gospel, the gospel goes into, into Africa. And from there, the gospel goes into Europe. And from there, the gospel comes to the Americas. And, and now, even the epicenter of, the go- epicenter of Christianity is actually shifting from the, the, from the West to the East. My point is this, that man, our faith, the Christian faith is not a Western thing or an Eastern thing. 
when you think about it you know from the from the small gathering of faithful saints in the foothills of himalayas to to the underground churches in saudi arabia and china to to the churches that gathered in coffee shops in manhattan and paris you and i have been have been called to be a part of a transcultural movement of god that is much more bigger than our 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 view and our our experiences and our particular culture god has called us to be a part of this global movement that he is doing the promise of blessing the nations that he is bringing to pass we are a part we are a small part of a big family thousands and thousands of saints expressing their worship for the one true god in their own language in their own tradition in their own culture god has called us we've been folded into this promise that god has given us now jesus not only fulfills this promise but jesus also calls the church to participate in this promise in the in the book of matthew chapter 28 you guys don't have to turn there i'll, I'll just read through that in in the book of matthew uh, 28 we have this portion of scripture called the great commission it's popularly called the great commission so here the the resurrected christ right before he ascends to heaven he calls his disciples he calls his people and he is giving this charge he's giving this mandate he's uh, he 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 tells his disciples and through his disciples he tells the church to go into all creation and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations and it's interesting that the great commission is actually between two promises jesus starts the great commission by calling our attention to him he says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me and then he gives us charge to the church to go and make disciples of all nations and then he closes the great commission by saying that and i will be with you till the very end of the ages and i want to i want to pause here and uh, and, and 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 mention of an observation when the holy spirit inspires matthew to write Matthew 28 The great commission starts by Matthew saying that there was the people that were gathered before the ascending Christ Think about that moment if I could engage your imagination for a moment I don't know how the resurrected Christ looked but the resurrected Christ is now bodily ascending into heaven and the people that were gathered there who heard the great commission it says that there were some people worshiped and some people doubted even as they saw the ascending christ giving the charge the great commission there were people that doubted but they were not excluded from the great commission i just want to i just want to remind us that because of the the life death and resurrection of jesus christ the ground is leveled which means that the weakest christian that struggles with with doubt and anxiety and fear and 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 those who would be much more mature and strong in their faith we all have just one righteousness we all stand in the same righteousness with us purchased by Jesus Christ we all have been invited to participate in this great commission we all have been invited to engage god's heart for the nation it is not reserved for the spiritual few it is for all of us If you've been following Jesus Christ for more than 5 minutes, you've been called to share your story, the story of grace, this at that point to the story of Jesus and make disciples of all nations. You've been invited to engage in God's heart for the nations. And then Jesus actually keeps his promise. He says that he will be with us as we do this. He says that he will be with us till the very end of the ages. And he keeps his promise in the in the in in Acts chapter 2. 
It's a beautiful, fascinating chapter. You guys can uh, mark that and read that when you get home. Acts chapter 2, where, where the early church gathers in an upper room, 120 people crammed up in a small room, and, and Jesus keeps his promise, and Jesus inseparably gives himself to the church in the sending of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God now comes upon the church and resides in the, in the, in the heart of the people that believe. And the Holy Spirit of God empowers us to engage in God's heart for the nations. So the Father promises the blessing to the nation. The Son fulfills the blessing to the nation. And the Holy Spirit of God empowers the church to engage in God's mission, God's heart for the nations. So, so where, where, do we, where do we go from here? How do we respond to something like this? Well, first of all, all of us have been invited. All of us have been invited to grab a vision for God's heart for the nations. If you, when you profess and when you say that you are a Christian, you are professing that you are a part of a global movement. You are a part of a movement that Jesus, that God promised and started and God will finish it one day. So God is inviting us to grab a vision of his heart for the nations. Now the way we participate will differ. Some of us sitting in this room, we are, we are called to go. Some of us sitting in this room, we are called to send. And some of us sitting in the, all of us sitting in this room, we are called to pray. And we are called to live intentional lives. Some of you sitting in this room right now, you have been feeling the stirring in your heart. Maybe there's a particular people group that you are drawn to. That, that you're, you, maybe there's a particular place that God is drawing you to. Or maybe, maybe you have at one point of, of your life, you have felt the call of God and you have felt drawn to the nations and then life happened. And maybe, maybe, maybe it was sin struggles, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's fear. But I just want to remind you as your brother in Christ, I want to say if it is fear and anxiety, I just want to, I just want to shout from here and say, me too. That's what I'm dealing with too. And God has called us together. Our fear and our anxiety and our struggles is not stopping us from engaging God's heart for the nations. God's heart for the nation is much bigger than all of those things. And so God is calling us to bring our fear, bring our anxiety. If there are, if there are, if there are sin struggles that has actually have caused us to reconsider if God is calling us to engage in the heart for the nations, then I want to tell you that God is, today is a good day to, to come back in repentance and, and talk to someone and, 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 and share the burdens of your heart with someone and re-engage God's heart for the nations. If that is you, I want to encourage you, man, after we dismiss the service, talk to somebody. Talk to the leaders. Talk to your community group leaders. Start praying. Don't look away from that drawing and the stirring that you feel in your heart. Now, some others of you, you may not be called to go overseas or go plant a church, but you, God is calling you to send. It takes everybody, it takes the active participation of the entire church to engage in the mission of God, the heart of God for the nations. Maybe God has given you resources to, 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 to financially partner. Maybe God has called you to stand behind and send someone, support someone. I love Romans 10 that says that how will they go unless they're sent? Maybe God is calling us for faithful stewardship and, and make investments where you will have eternal dividends. And then all of us sitting in this room, we are called to pray. I think the majority of Christians will engage God's heart for the nations, God's heart for uh, the, the, God's mission for the nations this way, where we engage in prayer. 
we've been called to we've been called to we've been called to re, we, we we've been called to uh, broaden our horizon we've been called to learn more about about the people groups of the world we've been called to we've been called to uh, come out of our comfort zones and and we be, and and we man the reality is that we live in a place where we have so much information in our fingertips God is calling us to be aware of his global family and God is calling us to partner with him in prayer. He's the one who starts the work, he's the one who will finish the work and is calling us to 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 participate in that work. Maybe for some of us sitting in this room it may mean that when you are when you are stuck in traffic you start praying for 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 a gospel witness among the Kurdish Muslims. When, when, when if you're if you're a mother in here, when you're when you're changing that seventh puppy diaper, you know during the day, God is calling you to pray for the Rohingyas in Burma. Sometimes the the Holy Spirit of God uses your prayer that that secret place of prayer. God uses that to touch the nations of the world. And then all of us are called to live intentional lives. God is calling us. You know there are there are nations in our backyard. In Oklahoma City, the God has actually sent the nations of the world here. I was driving past Yukon. I live in Yukon. I was driving past Yukon the other day, and it just brought so much joy to my heart to to see so many different uh, people group, nationalities, and culture. People were walking outside their homes and their neighborhoods, and they were speaking different languages. And there was all kinds of different culture in the the, the changing demographics in in Yukon. God has brought the nations to our backyard, and God is calling us to engage. I don't know if you guys knew this, but Oklahoma City, Oklahoma has the largest uh, number of international student population in the country. And statistically, it says they say that about seventy percent of the uh, international students who actually study in Oklahoma, not just in Oklahoma, in the country, would never see the inside of an American home during the four or five years that they spent here. What an incredible opportunity to represent the gospel and. And, and grab a vision of God's heart for the nation and engage the nations right here in our city. This would mean that we come out of our comfort zone. This would mean that we would open the sacred space of our, our dining, dining, dining table and we invite people that have a different cultural expression than us and get to know them in hope and prayer that God the Holy Spirit is He's the one who works and being available, building relationships. God is calling us to engage his heart. I want to I want to end with a uh, drawing your attention to a beautiful beautiful scene in Revelation chapter 7. There's a beautiful picture Revelation chapter 7 verses 9 through 12. We see this picture of a uh, of of the nations gathered before the throne of God. This is a picture the Holy Spirit is actually pulling back the curtains of time and allowing us to get a sneak peek of what is yet to come. We see that the nations are gathered before Jesus. There's a representation from every tongue, every tribe and every language group of the world that is worshiping Jesus Christ and the nations are doing the very thing that they are created to do which is to worship their creator, worship Jesus Christ. And they and and, and we see this beautiful picture And so 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 I just want to encourage us as we there is a day when we get to see the fruit of our labor when we get to see the fruit of our sending and the fruit of our going and the fruit of our praying and the fruit of our conversation intentional conversations that we have when we see when we are gathered together with with the global family of God the nations the nations of the world gathered before the throne of God and so as we engage in the mission of God today 
as we, as we respond to the opportunities that God is placing right before us, I just want to encourage us to keep that vision in front of us. God started this mission and he will complete it. And he's calling us to be a part of this beautiful mission. So as we end, as we close today, how is God calling you to participate? Where, where do you feel your heart being drawn to? Maybe you're, maybe you're called to go. Maybe you're, you're in a place where God is calling you to faithful stewardship and you're called to send. And, and, and all of us in this room are called to pray.